Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap events and issues pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMBD News Director Will Stevenson. You might say the relationship between the Peoria Civic Center and the Peoria Rivermen is getting cold. The lease agreement between the Rivermen and the Civic Center ends after the current season. The team may just want to renew the lease, but the Peoria Civic Center Authority says there's a problem the team needs to help with, among other things an aging and possibly deteriorating ice-making plant. That and declining attendance numbers, among other things, and there's definitely pressure put on both sides. This week, residents spoke en masse to the board that governs the Civic Center, urging them to do what's needed to keep the rivermen at the Civic Center and not move them either out of the area or to some other place or cause them to do that themselves. You'll hear from some residents in a few moments. But first, the conversation Civic Center Authority Board Chairperson Yvonne Greer and Civic Center General Manager Rick Edgar had on Friday with WMBD's Greg Batten and Dan DiOrio. The chairperson of that uh, board is somebody that I know quite well, uh, Yvonne Greer, my wife, and she is in the studio. Good to see you, Yvonne, in, under these weird circumstances. Good morning. Rick Edgar is the general manager of the Peoria Civic Center, and of course, a frequent guest here. Good to see you, Rick. Good morning. Uh, this conversation uh, about the Rivermen, uh, let's start. I need. I think we need to start here. I don't think people understand exactly how the the Civic Center runs. So there's the authority board. And then there's you, Rick, who technically works for a different company. You work for a company. Yeah. And then there's the, but I think everybody thinks that the city runs the Civic Center. Can you guys describe, real briefly, because I want to get to the Riverman thing, but I think it's, it's necessary for so the content. I'll let you start with how you're employed through ASM. Okay. So I, I work for a private management group, ASM Global. We're all over the world. We're hired to manage arenas. That's our expertise. Right. The Peoria Civic Center Authority is in a contract with my company to manage the day-to-day -day business of the uh, Civic Center. Where does the city come in then? Where does the city council or the mayor, do they have anything to do with it? So the authority is its own unique entity. However, it is funded by partially by the city's hotel, restaurant, and amusement taxes and any money that comes from our own Making money on a show or a concert yes. or a game or whatever it might be. Okay. So the authority is the group that makes decisions along with your management company uh, about the day-to-day -day operations of the Civic Center. Is that fair to say? Yeah. What I what my job is to, is to provide information, data, facts, and then the authority weighs in on those facts and when we have to make decisions. At last night's meeting, uh, Danny, I was at that meeting, as I told you earlier, uh, they talked about a number of the things on the priority list of capital improvements. I know a big one is the, the roof is in bad shape, and that's a big roof, and that's going to be very expensive. And then the, the, the priority list comes down, and the Riverman, according to one of the uh, folks who spoke, is number 20. Why is it number 20? There are so many other projects that had priority, as you mentioned, the roof, the beautiful glass wall that you see in front of the theater, the parking area, the heating and cooling units that also heat and cool City Hall. All of those things take great priority over the ice plant that is primarily used to serve the Riverman team. Right. The yeah, ice plant is at play. Go ahead, Danny. I'm sorry. And, and when you think about the totality of it all, um, both in your positions is about making money. 
And to make money, it's beyond the Rivermen and Bradley. It is all the conventions, all the people come in. So from the uh, glass to the ceiling to updating the facility square foot by square foot itself to keep competition with other civic centers, which are upgrading and making their places nicer. That's kind of where the priorities are, right? Yeah, I just want to um, want to make sure we get one thing correct. We're not in the business to make money. That is often a misnomer. Okay, that's we're, good to know. We're in yeah. the business to not be a massive burden on the taxpayers and add, and we were running in the red. So okay. we're trying to get our operational day-to-day business at least to break even. But we inherited, when I came here four years ago, just for the record, they go, we're losing over seven figures annually, and we have all these maintenance projects that we can't fund. I'm very proud of what our team did. We've now taken that massive loss annually and at least trying to get it to break even because then we use the HRA dollars to fund the capital projects. Got it. All right, so let me ask you this blunt question. Is the decision about the future of the Riverman already done? I think what we have done, and I think what we want to get to, because there were some folks last night that I felt had been misled um, by others, and we want to be honest that we have been talking to this organization for right around three years and told them that this was the issue and that we did not have the funding. So this hasn't just come up in the last couple weeks. And for three years, there has been nothing from the other side of the table solutioning, just saying, give us another lease. Part of that is, and I think folks need to understand, we put a provision in our contract with the team because we knew the dire straits of the ice plant. Because it's old. Yeah, Yeah, and the thing was, we were spending uh, thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars to just keep the, you know, this uh, modestly functioning but needed a lot of extra attention. And what we did, and this is where it gets frustrating, is our kicker was $10,000. Anything over that was going to be the responsibility of the team, and they signed that. They know it. But when the cost became hundred and twenty and hundred and forty thousand two years ago, the Civic Center Authority went ten times that a commitment, put a hundred thousand dollars towards the repairs and to get the uh, to keep the uh, ice plant operational. Going. Yeah. Um, and then the narrative is is we're being unfair. I think that more than fair. Not only did we give them three years instead of the two years that they let us know that they needed to have a plan in place. And so it's a little frustrating because we've been made out to be the villain. Right. right. And I think we've uh, gone above and beyond. And one of those things is we said we weren't talk about it publicly, but uh, they've taken the conversation public with uh, misleading facts. So we're well ready to tell the full story. So, so it's a private company, right? It's a privately owned, the Riverman, owned the by the Monarch Corporation, big conglomerate, owns lots of different things. Uh, and, and the way I look at it, I said this on the air the other day, we had a man, Kim Blickenstaff, from the KDB group come to town, spend millions of his own dollars, gave away millions of dollars to charity, left town for whatever reason, and people got mad at him. I don't understand why this Monarch Corporation, that's the name of the parent company, right? Why why aren't people mad at them? Why 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 are they not saying, "Well, we'll pay 4 million dollars for the ice plant." If they if they did that, would that would everything just change? Well, our issues with the team are threefold. Number 1, the big one is the ice plant. Sure, sure. For a little bit of context, it's that R22. It keeps leaking out of the system. Right. It is the coolant that's used to freeze the ice. It's no longer being made, so it's in short supply. 
As demand goes up and supply goes down, the price increases. The prices have become exorbitant. Right. And ours is leaking and cannot be repaired. Has to be replaced to the cost of two and a half million dollars plus. Minimum, yeah. And as we learned last night at the authority meeting, there are even more unknowns that are going to go along with that. And you have to shut down the entire arena for four months. Oh, can, while I, it can I stop right there and ask yes. Rick that question? What happens if you shut down the arena for four months over the summer? We don't generate any revenue out of the arena. And, and, but but I mean, remind me of what summer activities are like. Because it's, it's a slower, right? It is slower, but like for this year would be the year we'd have to shut it down, and we've already confirmed two arena events. Oh, that's okay. So we would either have to go back on our word with the promoters or it would have to get punted for another year, and we still have a broken ice point. Right, yeah, right. Okay. Issue number two is the declining asset. The rivermen simply don't bring in enough income to offset the expenses of hosting the ice plant. Got it. Okay. Number three is a declining relationship between the management on the rivermen team and the management at the Peoria Civic Center. I understand that it is easy to vilify our general manager, Rick Edgar, because his name is the only one apparently that's being given. But I am here this morning because the full weight of the Peoria Civic Center Authority is by his side. He does not unilaterally make these decisions. It is why we have a governing authority. Mm -hmm. We are all in this together. And I do appreciate the people who came out to the authority meeting. They were very respectful. They were they spoke very heartfeltly. It was moving. It was really moving. But everyone comes to us to say, what are you going to do to save the team? The team is a private organization. What is the team going to do? You'll hear more of this conversation and from Peoria Riverman fans when Week in Review continues. We continue the conversations about what you might say are the tensions between the Peoria Civic Center and the Peoria Rivermen as contracts, equipment, facilities, and other things all start to boil. On Friday, WMBD's Greg Batten and Dan DiOrio talked about the matter with Greg's wife and Peoria Civic Center Authority Board Chairperson Yvonne Greer and General Manager Rick Edgar. Danny? Well, uh, so really this gets down to dollars and cents. Sense, S-E-N-S-E, and sense, C-E-N-T-S. So you put the emotions aside. In, in, in the heyday, there were four or 5,000 people attending every night when they were AAA. Uh, and, and then one, uh, they won a lot back then, and now they're down to roughly 1,000 to 1,200 on a regular basis. So I would look at this, all the emotion aside, and I'll, I'll, if Rick, I don't know if you uh, can answer this or are ready to answer this, but if you look in the winter and all those weekend dates, uh, are there groups that you've had to turn down, bands you've had to turn down because the Civic Center was taken on those dates, and how much missed revenue happened during the prime time? Dan, on that, they're averaging right around 2,000, but here's okay. one thing that we need to be aware of. And, um, and it, sports teams sometimes will add a little bit to their attendance to uh, bolster their numbers, but the team is reporting 3200 3300 which is 40% more than reality well yeah they announce a bradley cloud at 5800 but that's not butts in the seats buying vendors uh, buying from the vendors sometimes because that's season tickets sold or t- tickets sold not butts in seats which is to me the number that really counts all right go back to your question though okay so the question is emotions aside 
dollars and cents, cents, the both meaning of the words, those are prime Friday and Saturday nights during the winter. How many, uh, I mean, how much more, just comparatively, do you think revenue can be generated from arena shows on those dates? Let's say the Rivermen weren't there compared to now. Yeah, um, on that, it's. I want to give you the shortest answer I can because it's a little complicated. The Rivermen lock in their schedule months in advance. So when we go to book an event, if we get a show, we have to pay the Rivermen a fee to book our own building to take one of those dates. So we often don't book the shows because the promoter is not going to eat the fee that we have to pay to book our building. Got it. So if that isn't there, then that gives us more opportunities um, for type of shows. And it doesn't have to just be concerts. Now it opens up the door for more um, a variety of events, circuses, uh, monster trucks, things of that nature. Yeah, and I wonder, I don't want you to comment on this, but you sitting there as someone who knows all these people and all the acts and various things coming through, I just wonder how many times you're like, hey, do you want this? You're like, ah, we can't. I mean, how much have you passed up? I just, I'll just say it happens. Yeah, yeah. And hard to quantify. I may jump in here. You reference that question by saying emotions aside i will tell you it is difficult to keep emotions on the sidelines these days because while those 40 plus people that came to the authority meeting last evening were all wonderfully respectful and we had no issues there is another segment of the riverman's fan base that has been much less than cooperative they have listed the entire board's addresses our committee members addresses encouraged writing uh, but those writings have not been uh, kind some of them have been outright threatening phone calls it is upsetting to say the least and it is difficult when you're dealing with issues like a two and a half million dollar plan and many unknown expenses it is difficult when you're dealing with issues like an organization that brings in less money than we have to spend to maintain them it is supremely difficult to have our personal information publicly displayed in threatening manners to say yes, let's have a kumbaya moment. Yeah, it's hard to put that all aside all of a sudden and go, oh, let's be let's be friends and figure it out. It That's is counterproductive. It is counterproductive. Uh, this story we, we could talk about this for hours, uh, and we can't. We don't have time. So, Rick Edgar, Yvonne Greer, thank you. Uh, uh, I, what's What's the next thing that happens? Can you do you have an answer to that? We have not heard from the Riverman organization. Okay. All right. I think what we are going to honor the commitment we have to the current lease, and um, that's where we are today. Okay. It's good to talk to both of you. Thank you so much. I know this is an awkward situation for uh, for everybody, and we hope that it works out for the best. We should note that efforts are being made to invite the Peoria Rivermen onto our radio stations to talk about their side of the matter. As soon as that happens, we'll bring you that conversation here on Week in Review. The day prior to that conversation, residents spoke to the Peoria Civic Center Authority Board, urging them to help resolve the matters between the two sides. Because of the way we were able to access the meeting, some of the comments may be a little hard to hear, but are worthy of hearing. My name is Jared O'Brien. I'm a real estate broker with specialty in relocation here in downtown Peoria. I'm also a sponsor of the Peoria Civic Center and the Riverman. I came to give my, give my perspective on the importance of the ice plant in our community. In the 1960s, a Civic Center was planned to help inject life into our downtown. 
very much like we're trying to do today with our ongoing development. In April of 1976, an HRA tax was created to help support this new venture. Our forefathers knew the importance of creating a vibrant downtown to attract talented people relocating to our town to work in our businesses. Losing the ice plant gives our recruiters one less family-friendly amenity to tout. I came across the Civic Center's mission statement, which says, we will be a catalyst for improving the quality of life and economic vitality in our area by hosting diverse events that are enjoyed and supported by all segments of the general public. Last April, the facility shifted to a for-profit center, according to a quote from Mar Matt Bartello in a Journal Star article. However, I was not able to find that change in any of the meeting minutes. The Rivermen are a local team providing local jobs, and most of the money stays right here in our town, supporting our city, unlike a lot of the big acts coming through town. The ice plant provides 30-plus events downtown, including hockey, Disney on ice, and the U.S. National Synchronized Skating Championships, all of which help peripheral downtown businesses during their slow winter months. The Civic Center received $25 million from the state capital bill. The Peoria Civic Center Authority Board released a capital improvement priority list in chronological order in accordance to their importance. I've looked through the meeting minutes and could not find how that list was prioritized. The ice plant is currently listed at number 20 on that list, well below the budget cutoff. Within that budget, however, are what some may consider upgrades of a sound system at 1 million, a scoreboard at 1.7 million, and arena retractable seating at 3.5 million. Just last week, I sat in a retractable arena seat while looking over a perfectly good scoreboard and jamming out to Katy Berry over the sound system. All seem to function well and could possibly push back to another budget year. The ice plant, unfortunately, cannot afford another year of band-aids. In conclusion, we respectfully ask that you please reconsider the order of our priority list. Thank you so much for your time today. We'll hear from another resident talking about the Peoria Rivermen when Week in Review returns. We're hearing from two of the three sides in the debate between the Peoria Civic Center and the Peoria Rivermen this week. This after the Peoria Civic Center Authority Board met and residents spoke to the board to urge them to fix whatever needs to be fixed in order to keep the team in the Civic Center. Here are some more public comments from this week's Civic Center Authority Board meeting. I know you guys have a really challenging task. You got an aging building, you got capital expenses. We're coming out of out of a lockdown. And I know your job's not easy. So I appreciate what you guys are, are doing. Um just want to give my backstory. It's kind of compounding on what he says. I moved here uh initially in 2007. I got out of the Marine Corps, I did my fourth combat tour. Um and I wanted to go to a city that was quiet and had all the amenities I wanted. Applied to multiple jobs. Uh, got offered a lot of different cities. And one of the things that attracted me to this area at that time was the Rivermen. I could have gone to any city where there was tons of concerts and monster truck shows and all that. But there wasn't a lot that had hockey. So moved from San Diego and packed up and brought the family to Peoria. A few years later... Um, I decided to go back on active duty, moved to D.C. area, and uh, four years ago, retired and uh, once again packed up and came back to, uh, packed up from Quantico and came to uh, Peoria. And one of the things 
that brought me here was the Rivermen. Um, mainly, it's just not many small cities that, that have that amenity. So, yes, the fact is, is the Rivermen, although may not draw the revenue that uh, larger concerts do, it absolutely draws people to move to this city, and it absolutely keeps people to maintain people in this city. Emily's a dean, so we have deans of elementary schools that are only here because of the rivermen. We've got councilmen. We've got business owners. Within four years, my wife's now become a CEO of United Way Partnered Agency. She would not be here if it wasn't for uh, the rivermen. So I just implore you, you know, to look past the, the cost and the money draw of the rivermen compared to other other events, and 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 look at it and 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 calculate, you know, what what it means to the city, and what kind of draw and what other kind of impacts that it that that it has. Um, so I I know it's not a tough decision, but there could be a way, you know, whether what Jared said is reprioritizing, look at the scoreboard or retractable seating, or maybe just a redesign of. Uh, uh, of some of the projects that you have to, to reprioritize those budgets. I know it's not an easy task, um, but I implore you to do it. I know without the Riverman, 90% of what that scoreboard is going to do is support Bradley University, which is a private university. And it just seems to me crazy that we're supporting capital improvement projects for a private university, especially when they could just pay almost $900,000 to tear down Avantes to make it a park, but I just, like I said, the Riverman is really important to thousands and thousands of people in the city. It, it, it does bring people to downtown and it does create people to move here. So, so I thank you for what you guys do. I hope you can just reconsider, take a harder look at some of the capital improvement projects or figure out, you know, how, how to, how to minimize the, uh, the impacts or, or the cost of some of those. So I thank you, ma'am. My name is Michael Maloof. I'm a longtime Peoria resident and a business owner here in the city. Um, among many community activists like myself have become so devoted to enlivening the central business district of the city. Um, we have support from the city. We have support from the downtown uh, advisory Commission from the Downtown Development Corporation, of which I'm a board member, um, of what brings people here and how do we keep people coming to the Central Business District, which is so crucial to the attraction of Peoria in the state of Illinois. Um, we are challenged with convincing people that moving to Peoria is a wonderful thing to do. Um, competition for labor, as you know, um, doesn't need any more comments. It's intense. The Downtown Development Corporation this year has decided that our major focus will be the Central Business District. And I say to you, taking something away that draws people to Peoria um, is concerning, whereas keeping the rivermen here and the ice rink should be a draw to bringing people to downtown and helping our merchants and our and our uh, Peoria residents. Um, we'll be opening up about 300 more apartments 
here in the city on Adams and Washington streets. So the town is growing. And as a citizen, I just ask you to consider once again taking a feature away from line downtown Peoria um, is the concern that we have and the concern that I ask you to reconsider. Yeah, my name is Randy Jeskiv. I'm a lifelong Peoria resident. Um, I will tell my age. I was born in 1982, the exact same year that building right behind us was built. Sorry if I'm directionally challenged. <laughs> but there's a beautiful building over there. It was built right around the open in 1982. Um, and I think I heard somebody mention it earlier today. It was built around an ice road. Um, you know, the building was built around the ice rink and the ice plant. Um, so, you know, I grew up in New My dad took me to games as a kid. It was a great bonding time with me and my father. Um, I became a teenager at high school buddies. We went to games. It was affordable, right? Five bucks upper bowl seats. We'd bring kids, you know, a bunch of us from high school. Come sit in the upper bowl and watch hockey. I became a fan and started playing the game myself. Started supporting youth hockey organizations. We've had people talk about that. Started building that in this community. Um, went to college. And I wanted to still go to games, but I couldn't afford to go. So what did I do? I got a job at the Peoria Civic Center. And I started working there so I could go to games and pay my way through college, which I did. And then I graduated and figured out that that would probably be something of the past. But it wasn't. I stayed there for 18 years. I worked for 18 years at the Peoria Civic Center. I did all the concerts. I did all the Broadway games. But I was there because I wanted to watch hockey games and affordable price. Uh, so like I said, 18 years later, I decided, hey, um, I don't need to work a second job anymore. I can afford to buy season tickets. So I bought season tickets, started taking my kids to the game, instant fans. They want to play hockey now. I'm trying to give them skating, right? Um, and I didn't last long with the season tickets. I ended up going and working for the Rivermen. So now I currently work with the Rivermen doing stats and helping them do off-ice stuff as well. So what I'm just trying to say is it's in my blood. Uh, 1982, I was born. This building was put up. Four people up here to have something to do. Um, and I would just like to ask, as everybody else has, to reconsider, please. Um, like, it's just, it's 30 games a year. Um, it's it's all these faces. I know all these faces. Not all the names, but I know all the faces. Um, it is a family, and it's something that Peoria really probably shouldn't lose. Thank you for your time. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Joey Wilson. Sadly, I didn't really prepare to speak tonight, but I'm inspired. So uh, thanks for listening to us. Obviously, I'm the grandson of uh, Mark Olson. Uh, Mike Olson's my uncle. Two things I just want to bring to attention. Obviously, everybody said a lot of really good things. Um, what I'd like to talk about is it's more than just 30 games a year. It's more than 3,000 seats in the stands. It's more than the money that the Civic Center makes. It's more than the money the Rivermen make. Um, we got, I'm a youth hockey coach right now. I coach the Mini Mites. We have almost 80 kids in that program. That um, I have been told that that's one of the biggest programs, six and under, in the state. Now, obviously, in Chicago, there's a lot more organizations. But we have a huge program right here that's youth hockey. And part of that is these people bring their kids to the hockey game, and they're like, I want to do that, right? It's not, we don't really go out and recruit kids. And I have goals to get to 100 kids a season at six and under. Um, so you take this away, a lot of that goes away. You know, that affects us, that affects the park district. All of a sudden, now we're losing kids in that sport. Um, so, again, the effects go beyond just the Rivermen, just the Civic Center, just the games. Um, I'm a great example. We talk, They talked about a little bit. The 90-91 Rivermen are probably the reason why I played hockey for so long. 
Um, it took me all the way to the professional levels. I played in the same league the Urberman did. Um, I know just on, you know, we talk numbers. I got a four-year scholarship that was worth over probably $180,000. That was just me because I had a passion to play hockey because I loved a couple guys named Michelle Mongeau, Tony Twist, Kelly Chase, all those guys. Yeah, I come from a hockey family, but uh, that really meant a lot to me, and it's more than just my family. So uh, I know I'm just one person, but it's uh, it's a big deal, and uh, I think we need to find a way to make this work. Thank you. More Week in Review coming up. Welcome back to Week in Review. I'm Will Stevenson in the WMBD Newsroom. Republicans in the Illinois Senate are concerned that Democrats, which are in the majority in the legislature, will try again to pass a progressive income tax in Illinois, even though lawmakers and voters in the past have rejected the idea. The Illinois Constitution requires a so-called flat tax. Senate Republican leader John Curran explains his party's stance. We are here today to talk about our, our, our firm resolution to reject the latest attempts at, the, at changing to a progressive income tax. The proposal by Senator Rob Martwick that we stand firmly uh, in opposition to. The results of the 2020 ballot initiative were unmistakably clear. The people have spoken. They don't want to change our constitution to a progressive income tax. It failed in the collar counties and throughout the rest of the state, despite a $60 million campaign designed to sell this to the voters. It failed because Illinois voters are sick and tired of writing blank checks to their state government, and the government keeps coming back for more and more. Despite the proponents' plan, they see that voters see that this will raise taxes on everyone, the middle class, and could open up the door to taxing retirement income. Illinois already has the highest tax burden in the nation and implements the highest corporate income tax rate as well. It's time to move in a new direction that does not include overtaxing the people we are supposed to be representing. The Senate Republicans are committed to listening to the people and fighting against the blatant tax increase in Illinois families and businesses. That is why we have introduced this resolution to call on our colleagues from both sides of the aisle to reject any attempt to establish a progressive income tax for the remainder of the 103rd General Assembly. We hear a lot about bipartisanship, and here today we have an opportunity to protect citizens throughout this state from an additional progressive income tax money grab. And we, and we have an opportunity to do that collectively. Thank you, and with that I'd like to introduce Deputy Republican Leader, uh, Senator Resin. Thank you, uh, Leader Curran. I am uh, Deputy Republican Leader Sue Rezin. I re represent the 38th District, which includes Putnam, LaSalle, Bureau, Grundy, uh, DeKalb, Will, and Kendall Counties. So um, two years ago, countless threats were made that taxes would be increased on the people of Illinois if they did not vote for the progressive tax. The voters rejected it anyway because they would rather, rather than government, they know what's best for their families. Yet here we are with the record revenues talking about increasing taxes on families again. In fact, the most recent COGFA report, we've seen a positive growth in overall general funds for every month of the fiscal year in 2023 so far. 
Illinois' general uh, funds base receipts are up $1.7 billion. And if you include the one-time federal ARPA reimbursements received earlier in the year, the year-over-year -year increase improves to over $2 billion. It's time for tax relief, not tax increases. The proponents of this progressive tax are ignoring the numbers, and they're ignoring the will of the voters. The Illinois Senate Republicans will not. Families in our state are already struggling to make their ends meet. They're struggling to keep up with inflation and the cost of living. Illinois families need real, permanent tax relief like the package the Senate Republicans presented last spring. Illinois families do not want more taxes that they can't afford. They made that clear when they overwhelmingly rejected the previous amendment two years ago. I'm proud to sign on to this resolution and protect them. Next, I'd like to take a moment to introduce State Senator Neil Anderson. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm State Senator Neil Anderson, um, also caucus chair of the Republican Caucus, uh, 47th Senate District, which includes some or all of uh, Rock Island, Mercer, Henderson, Warren, um, Fulton, Hancock, Adams, Schuyler, Mason, um, Taswell, Fulton, Stark, Henry, Knox, I think that's it. <laughs> it's rare that we come into this building and consider legislation that we have a clear picture on how individual citizens would vote if they were in our position. More than two years ago, voters spoke loud and clear that they did not want a progressive income tax, so much so that they rejected the so-called fair tax by an overwhelming margin statewide. As we begin this General Assembly, it is clear the majority party remains out of touch with Illinois families. Why are we here considering even talking about another tax on Illinois families? They've already spoken. They don't trust Springfield with their tax dollars, and they shouldn't. As someone who represents a district that borders Iowa, a state that just passed a tax reform package including uh, the state's tax rate, cutting the state's tax rate by nearly half just four years ago, and recently getting rid of the tax on retirement, it's easy to see why people are, why people are leaving. Leaving, a, leaving, living in a state that's just a stone's throw away from where I live, literally. Um, it's two miles from where I live over to Iowa. I witness it and hear it consistently. We must listen to the citizens of our state and find a way to reduce taxes and more importantly, God forbid, listen. Listen to our constituents who already voted no on this issue just 813 days ago. This is just another example of the majority party saying we know best and completely ignoring the will of the people. I'd like to take a, a few uh, brief questions. The progressive tax, and we're in tax season now, I'm getting those little things in the mail that I'm supposed to save, is then used by the feds. What is the IRS, what, what do you know that the IRS does not? We know that one of Illinois' true competitive advantages is the flat tax, and, and, and the consistency and, and predictability of that flat tax. That, as we try to attract more job creators and retain our, our job creators here in Illinois, as well as uh, provide a livable uh, solution for families, 
that flat tax is an important component. Well, I don't know about that. And someone mentioned the retirement tax. I say I don't know about that because you'd think people would shot it from the mountaintops, move to Illinois, no retirement tax. We have the flat income tax. If it's so, if they're so attractive, how come Illinois is not promoting those things? The voters spoke very clearly when they when they uh, considered this resolution, and they voted against it overwhelmingly. So the voters in Illinois understand uh, and value the fact that they have a consistent flat tax and, and not a progressive tax that would lead to year-over-year -year increases. You didn't answer my question. Why aren't we using it to attract people? Could someone please answer that question? Can we promote it and, you know, take out a billboard or something, no retirement tax, flat income tax? We are promoting uh, business in Illinois, but it's more of a package. This is part of a package of what we sell uh, job creators. The governor um, asked about the prospect of a, a graduated income tax. He said that's not really his focus, and he said that, hey, there's a lot of tax revenues that are coming in, they're able to balance the budget that way. Your reaction to the governor essentially saying that this isn't on his radar? I'm good to hear that. I, I hope he, he sticks to his word on that. Uh, we have a uh, Senate uh, Democrat proposing uh, putting this on the ballot, so that, that's been filed, and we want to make sure that uh, we get out in front of this and make it clear uh, that to the voters of this state that we heard them in 2020 and we're going to fight for them on this. The governor also talked about um, wanting to lower property taxes by increasing K-12 funding. Um, is that uh, something you guys are, are considering as well and talking about taxation altogether? I think the governor is talking about uh, um, some increase in pre-K funding um, K, I mean K, K through 12 we have the uh, you know we were part of passing the school funding formula and the last couple years we've had budget proposals that didn't include the the built-in increase year over year in that and we've had to fight to get that put back in so we certainly support funding our education system that does it for this edition of week in review join us at this time next week on this midwest communications station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central illinois you don't have to wait for Week in Review to get the lowdown on what's happening in central Illinois. For instant news 24-7, follow us at 1470 WMBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and at 1470WMBD.com. I'm Will Stevenson, WMBD News.